Hi, I'm Wendy Francis, nutrition therapist, emotional eating expert, and entrepreneur. I've helped countless people overcome their obsession with food and weight. Isn't it time you overcame what you had become and ignite who you were meant to be? Your time to become an overcomer starts now. Welcome again to Overcoming Your Emotional Eating, the podcast. In today's episode, I'll talk about breaking bad, not bad you, but bad habits and how to do that and how it relates to your food. Also, check out www.wendy with an I, Francis with an I, dot com to get a new look at our Ending Your Emotional Eating E3 online journey and course to help you end your emotional eating and finally overcome. Take a look at that and get a listen tonight to how you can break your bad habits. Thank you so much for joining me. As always, I love, love, love doing these calls and um, love doing what I do and being able to be here with you all. The more I do these, the more I love them, the more I do these. That's what I've been feeling the last, uh, I think I've been doing these calls now for four, four years. And so enjoy coming on and teaching and then learning from and with you all as well. It's a pleasure and an honor, as always, to do these. Tonight, we're going to talk about breaking bad, not you bad, but bad habits. What, are, what is a habit? And what do you do with those habits? As always, when I bring content, I'm going to focus a lot around food and emotion and relationship with food. But I'll also talk tonight about life and what happens with habit in life too. You see, what we do in our life and what we do in our food is congruent. And the more I'm in this field and the more I work with clients, the more I see that and know that to be true. So as we go through tonight's call, we'll talk about those things hand in hand. We all have bad habits, right? Some of us, uh, when I was young, I bit my nails. Some others of us may go to bed too late. Or maybe for a child, maybe not brushing their teeth in the morning. Skipping breakfast can even be a bad habit. I can remember, let's see, uh, years and years ago, and I know I've told this story before, uh, but it may have been a while. I had a college professor, my second year of college, who uh, was my public speaking professor, and I was scared to death. He was uh, my health, I guess, a health, public health, public speaking professor. That, that was a class, public health, public speaking. And I was scared to death at that point in my life to speak in front of other people, to, scared to death. In any case, I've told this story before, but he made, all of us had to get up and talk. And he gave us pointers as to what to do. And I am forever grateful to that professor because he changed the trajectory of my life realistically. He was the first person that made me stand up in front of other people 
And when I couldn't lift my head up and I kept talking into my little silly index cards, <laughs> he said to me, stop, look up and look everybody in the eyes and we won't be as scary. And wouldn't you know it, just by doing that for me, he changed the trajectory of my whole career. In that moment when I did that, and, and market, I had a lot of upperclassmen in that course. So I felt quite young against, you know, the 22-year-old college boys that were in there. But when I looked them in the eyes, all I saw was another human being. I didn't see a monster. I wasn't scared. And it allowed me to take a breath. In that, though, what happened is I felt a little bit more comfortable, but I sure did say, um, a whole lot. In fact, in his comments, he said, I recognize how much more comfortable you became as you looked around the room and great job. And now you need to work on the ums. And he was right. I, I, I don't know how many times I said them, but I guarantee it was 50 plus times that first time. And that um is a definite example of a bad habit, right? In graduate school, as I continued on through my undergraduate courses, I remember that being one of my big things when I would stand up there recognizing that I would say, um, I got a lot more comfortable in undergrad. And during graduate school, as I had to present my thesis in front of four PhDs, one of, probably one of the more intimidating uh, presentations I did, I remember my mentor, Dr. Dan Benedot, Benedot him telling me, okay, Wendy, here's where we're going to kick that um out the window. And he taught me a trick. And he said, when you're speaking, if you have the desire to say um, I just want you to take a deep breath. Don't rush. The reason why people say um is because they think they have to fill the white space of the speech. Brilliant, right? He was brilliant in many ways. But I recognized then that, yeah, white space in our speeches is really okay. It's like a poetic pause, right? And so in that, I learned and finally kicked the um habit. But we all have those bad habits, whether it's food related or life related. What really is a habit? And so when I looked up the definition of a habit, it showed up as a routine of behavior that is repeated regularly and tends to occur subconsciously. Now, here's the difference, and I'm going to hold that for a minute and explain something in just a second. But the American Journal of Psychology in 1903 defined a habit from the standpoint of psychology as a more or less fixed way of thinking, willing, or feeling acquired through previous repetition of a mental experience. What I want you to take from those two definitions is subconscious and repetition, because that's how I really look at a habit. It's subconscious and it's repetitive. Habits create a foundation that can either be our building block or our downfall. Recognizing whether the habit is truly a habit is the first step in understanding more of how and or what to change. Remember, I look at habit as a subconscious 
repetition. Here's why that's so important. In working with clients for all these years, I've recognized that sometimes an eating behavior is not always emotional. I know that I'm an emotional eating expert. I know I work with eating disorders. I get it. But I've also learned to recognize when a duck is a duck. What I mean by that is I recognize when a habit is just simply a habit. Because you don't want to underestimate an emotional connection. And you don't want to overestimate a habit. You don't want to make a habit bigger than it is. It's just a habit. What I mean by that is when you look at a habit, there isn't necessarily an emotional attachment to it. It's just a subconscious repetition of events that you do. So first you can look at a behavior and recognize if there's an emotion attached to that behavior, either before, during, or after you do the behavior. Now, understand this habit can still have shame and guilt after the habit has taken place associated with it. But rarely is there an intense emotion before and or during the habit. It's much more like an autopilot, if that makes any kind of sense. It's just that here's what I'm doing. And a lot of times in habits, we don't even recognize what we're doing. We're just doing it. And so that, that allows you to really understand what a habit and versus an emotional connection to the food is. The differentiating factor is there isn't an intense emotion before the habit plays out. When people bite their nails, they just do it. It's a subconscious repetitive pattern. For many people, skipping breakfast, not brushing their teeth in the morning, just a habit. And habits are a lot easier to break and change because there isn't that strong emotional connection. Now, do you have to work at it? Yeah, unfortunately, you do. But there's some pretty easy things that you can begin doing. And one of them first is just beginning to recognize whether it's a habit or whether it's emotionally based. That's the biggest delineating factor because I've worked with so many clients who had those switched up, who maybe thought an emotional connection to food was a habit. I can't tell you how many clients I've had come in my office and go, I just got to break this bad habit. And I'd say, all right, well, what's, what's the bad habit? What is it? And so they go through a series of events and kind of tell me, and I'd ask them the one question, so what do you feel before you do that? What do you feel right before? And if the answer is, I'm feeling angry or I'm feeling sad, or I'm feeling depressed, or I'm feeling lonely, or I'm feeling bored. Bored is a little bit of a questionable one because that can be habit or it could be emotional. But if you're feeling something before, there's an emotional connection to that. So understanding that using habit break information, and there's a lot of articles written on there on how to break habits. But if you're trying to break a habit that's really an emotional connection to food, it's never going to work. 
So you've got to make sure you've got it defined right for you in order for you to really get it done, right? So, but once you identify, you've got to have it. There isn't really an emotional connection. It might just be, I walk in the door and I go straight to the kitchen. Once you identify something as a habit, then you can get to work. I listened to an amazing Super Soul Sunday this past Sunday with Oprah Winfrey and John Kabat-Zinn. John Kabat-Zinn, I read his book quite a while ago. He's got a number of books out there. I, I don't know how many. I probably should have looked that up, but I didn't. He was born June 5th, 1944. And John Kabat-Zinn is a professor of medicine and he's a creator of the Stress Reduction Clinic and the Center for Mindfulness in Medicine. What John Kabat-Zinn did is he recognized how important mindfulness was in healing the body. And so he brought mindfulness practices into healthcare and hospital settings. It's amazing that he broke through and kind of cracked that code and has helped thousands of people with mindfulness. Here's why he's so important to me and why this talk was so amazing. John Kabat-Zinn talked in this specific episode about waves as emotions, which you may have heard from me as well. I think many of us in the field talk about emotions as waves because we know that emotions move in and out. But he went further and talked about the ocean as the entirety of our mind. So the waves are the emotions, but then as you step out further past the wave break, where there is no break and things start to become clear as glass, he talked about that being the stillness that can come once you let the emotions move in and out. And furthermore, going down deep into the ocean of our mind, which he called the subconscious. It was such an interesting analogy to me. And when I look at mindfulness, that mindfulness to me is that clear as glass emotion, so uh, the clear as glass ocean that you see past the wave break. It's still on the surface. It's not in the subconscious quite yet, but it's getting close to that. And in that, though, it's quiet and it's still and it's present. Mindfulness can keep us in our ocean. It can keep us riding the waves and aware of our habits. But as you go out into that part of the ocean, and I look at that as our mindfulness or symbolism of our mindfulness, we know that that part of the ocean is what really meets the horizon, so to speak, right? It's what allows us to open up to new possibilities and to change. And if we look at mindfulness, mindfulness really is, in my mind, just a meditation in action. It's being present in the moment. So, for example, if I'm really practicing mindfulness, I mean, I read one of John Kabat-Zinn's books years and years ago. I remember trying to really be mindful. And so I would be really mindful in walking up my stairs. So every time I walked up the stairs, I would say, I'm walking up my stairs. I would count them. I would see them. I would feel my feet 
on the ground. Nowadays, I practice mindfulness in the shower because it's one time that things are really quiet for me. It might be that you practice your mindfulness when you're cooking your food. There's much written on mindfulness in eating and how to be more mindful with your food and eating and being aware. You can use mindfulness to break the change of habit and to recognize that. In working with a client around entering her house, I can remember this years ago, she would, she would walk into her house and she would go straight to the refrigerator right away. And she had thought at that time that that was an emotional, uh, an emotional issue with her food. And I started to talk to her more about that. So she'd walk into her house. She put her purse down by the front door. She'd kick off her shoes and she'd walk straight to the kitchen. It's what she did every night. That's what I call a tread pattern or tread wear. And you can change that easily. And you can identify if that's a habit that you're doing in your home. Some people do it in their office. They stop by a candy jar on the way to the bathroom every time. That can also be a tread pattern. In that though, what we did is we played with it because she wasn't sure whether or not there was emotion coming in from being at work all day, or was it just a habit? So what we did is we played with it. We did an experiment. I said, all right, let's try to figure this out. So I asked her one day to come in through her garage instead of coming in her front door which for her was kind of out of the way to get to her bedroom because I was asking her to get up to her bedroom to get changed, et cetera. So we were trying to change that treadwear pattern. So what we did with respect to that is we, we had her come in her garage and she, lo and behold, came in her garage, which brought her to a different part of the house. She brought her purse and shoes upstairs to her room. She put everything down in her room and She went through the rest of her night without going straight to the kitchen. She slowed things down. She got changed. She got a shower. She put her hair up. And then she went downstairs and she was able to eat a really mindful dinner. So for her, you could see that that was a habit. That was a tread pattern. And so that's all that was. And all we needed to do was to work with that specific thing. Conversely, if there was an emotional connection from coming in from work, feeling anxiety or anger or stress, or maybe for somebody who doesn't want to come home, feeling scared or worried or fearful or frustrated, there could be an emotional connection in this same kind of situation. But for her, there wasn't. It was just a treadwear issue. But checking that out and experimenting can really tell you, is it a habit or is it not? Obviously, as I said, that meditation is mindfulness is meditation in action. We also know that meditation can therefore help with breaking bad habits. Meditation can slow down our central nervous system and make you more aware of the present moment and mindful in your body and your spirit. I've recognized a difference for a long time in people that meditate and people that don't. Don't think that you have to meditate a certain way. There's many thoughts and philosophies on meditation. That something that you're interested in, start slow, two minutes, sit quietly, 
doesn't have to be more than that. That's all it is. If you want to use mindfulness as your meditation, you can do that as well. Start with food and eating. Can you be mindful while you're sitting down to dinner or lunch, focusing on what you're chewing and how you're chewing and what you're tasting and where you're tasting it? That's all mindfulness. So you can use a meditative practice in using mindfulness around your food. Finally, the third thing you can do to break bad habits is to write it down. We know when we write things down, it helps us to bring in another model of kinesthetic learning. So all you have to do is if you recognize that you have a habit, you need to write down what comes before, during, or after the behavior. So you're going to make the unconscious conscious so you can curtail it. You don't have to do anything else besides that. You're going to write down the ABCs of it, the antecedent behavior and the consequence. So the antecedent might be for this woman, it was walking through her front door. The behavior was going straight to the kitchen. And her consequence at that point was eating something she wasn't fully aware or present in eating. So writing it down, though, can help you once you identify it because it brings the unconscious conscious and it allows you to curtail the behavior. You can use the limitless ocean of your mind and create fullness of being present in the moment to break those habits that bind you. You don't have to be stuck by them. Then you can find peace in the sanctuary of yourself in knowing that you can move and change the habits that drive your eating patterns. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Rate, review, and subscribe. You never know who you'll help become 